So here's the question. In the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut Podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I would also like to thank Konica Minolta for sponsoring this podcast. They are a world leader in industrial and commercial printing and packaging solutions. With a comprehensive portfolio of production print offerings, Konica Minolta delivers the latest innovations in printing, applications, and expertise. Today, I have a special guest, and this is Ron Prevost. Ron is a master or journeyman pressman from Taylor Corporation. Ron has 17 years experience in the press room, starting out in high school. And Ron also has a degree in graphic communications and is one smart cookie in process control, maintenance, and maintaining G7 in the press room. So really happy to hear from Ron today. Hey, Ron, welcome to the Gamut Podcast. And for the listeners, you're considered a master uh, press operator, a pressman, and you work for a very well-known uh, company called the uh, Taylor Company. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, 17 years now. 17 years. And where did you get your start? Well, I started out um, after school there as um, just uh, a normal commercial printer in the Twin Cities here. And everybody kind of did the same kind of work. Uh, uh, not not the way we do it today. It's changed lot since then we were looking at old school proofing uh match prints contact proofs and uh just trying to make the solid ink densities consistent make it look good and uh i always just like the hands-on aspect of it making what the customer is expecting uh to look as good as that or better if there's some way to do it right on so what type of press did you first start operating Oh, I started out on an old Heidelberg GTO, very small format, only two colors. But uh, like a lot of shops did back then, we still did four-color process, but we had to do multiple passes. So you had to know what kind of what you were aiming for in terms of uh, what a solid ink density is going to look like when it's overprinted on the next pass. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, – that, that was it, an interesting way to do it. And it's a huge change uh, between then and now, especially with what you just described. And I know people, you know, going out in the field and uh, working with uh, print service providers, I see two color presses and running four color and two passes. And I, it's, it's, it still amazes me how they keep it in register and uh, they're able to, you know, make that happen. Now, what press are you running? Now I'm on, uh, well, it depends on what day of the week you ask, but, uh, we have a shop full of Heidelbergs and they're, uh, all except for two of them, we got six and all except for two are the XLs, the, uh, E1 format, 41 inch, uh, yeah, anywhere from six to eight colors. 
all perfectors. So inline perfecting, was it four over four or eight over eight or, or what's the configuration of the perfecting? Unit? Yeah. Yeah. They're all four over four. So, uh, you can, uh, you could load them up with whatever kind of work you want, but, uh, yeah, the majority of work, it seems today, anywhere you go is, is four over four. And, uh, that doesn't really limit you. It's, it's just a very convenient configuration. We started talking about G7 um, in a previous conversation, and traditionally you were running, you know, densities to targets, and you tried to maintain the press with densities and dot gain. And now you guys have fully adopted G7 method for calibration as well as the specifications. Like, and one of the posts that you mentioned, uh, I think it was last week on LinkedIn, and. Do you work hand-in-hand with your G7 expert trainer, Jeff Thiessen? What he does through a network of people in the in the organization is he'll train the trainers, and we have our own color management person right. at the company I work for, and he does all of ours, all of our uh, calibrations, and uh, I've worked with him a few times. Great. Now, when... You work with him and you're doing a calibration run to uh, derive G7 curves, bring your press into gray balance. Uh, walk me through that process. Well, uh, we're doing it on uh, standard. I guess it would be a standard for most people, the uh, coated uh, matte and gloss, and then an uncoated sheet. Um, looking for our targets, what we're comfortable with as far as um, the densities we can run with the inks that we have, uh, which that's it seems to be a little more critical on a perfecting press in that regard because you have that ink takeoff and on the back side, the bottom side when you're perfecting, and it takes a little tweaking to get both sides to match if you're running the same tones. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys have uh, preset ink keys with SIP3, SIP4, and scanning? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So uh, what what's the model of the uh, Heidelberg that you're running currently? Uh, it's, an, it's an XL106 with uh, all the latest um, Heidelberg Prenect software. Great. And you are, are you using all the tools at the console for evaluating your density targets, your process control aims? Are you able to look at LAB values in conjunction with your densities? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The thing I like about uh, these presses, I know it's a, it's a, other manufacturers have adopted similar devices, but the XL has uh, two inline uh, spectral photometers, one after the first uh whatever your configuration, four, five, six units, and then one after the second half of the press for both sides of the sheet. And you, uh, you're reading both sides of the sheet as you run, and they work great. I mean, it's, it's an amazing so invention. It sounds like it's a, are these cameras in line on the uh, units uh, when it's exiting the impression cylinder? Can you describe that technology a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. Um, let's say I have like mine, an eight color press after the, um, when you start the make ready, it reads, uh, the first sheet or the 40th sheet that comes through. So 20 sheets after the first 
half the press and then 40 sheets on the second half. And it reads every six sheets as you run to maintain your consistency and uses special color bars uh, that obviously have all the all the swatches that you need for standard color readings, um, but it does registration as well. And at the console of the press, we have full control over uh, the spot colors, four color process. We can make adjustments using uh, our reference values in percentage, or we can change LAB. We can do almost anything. Now, you guys have uh, standards and specifications you shoot for that are G7 based, I assume, like Grackle 2013 or 2006? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And are those, do you load those into the console uh, software uh, for your density aims, LAB aims, and do you set tolerances around those? Yeah. Yeah. What, after we do our G7 calibration, um, what we do is we create a color set for each of the, uh, substrates. And that is your standard, uh, for each product code, each substrate that you run. So if I run, um, an offset sheet, uh, I take the LAB reading with the spectro when I'm setting up the job and that tells the uh, software that's connected to the inline spectros on the press, that that's your LAB that you're going to try to hit. And once the press starts running and sheets are coming through, it will see the actual LAB on the sheet, the reading on the white reading on the sheet and compensate. So if I loaded a standard color set uh, for offset, 130 black, 115 cyan, 110 magenta, and a 95 yellow, for instance, if it sees a difference in the LAB, either during the first make ready or during the run, it will compensate. You'll see those standard ink densities changing slightly as it detects a difference in the LAB. Okay. Yeah. So going back to the G7 run um, for calibration, and typically how long does that take uh, if you were to do a run from calibration to making the curves, to the curves being applied back to the new set of plates, and then verifying that they are targeting and hitting G7 accurately? <laughs> uh, my experience, it's been uh, somewhere between two, three hours. And how much do you spend looking at uh, your dot gain and your TVI as a control for your typical production runs for your make ready. Do you pay attention well, to those in case something, let's say a blanket loosens up and needs to be retorked or maybe somebody packed wrong? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good point because uh, although it's not emphasized as part of the calibration process, uh, it's still important because like you just said, I'm, I'm glad you did because I would have forgot. I wanted to mention that. It's still a variable in the mechanical sense. I mean, the press is mechanical, and uh, as we always talk in the community that, you know, it's a chemical and it's a mechanical process, so if there's going to be a drift, it'll probably be on the press. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, on these perfecting presses, for instance, we have uh, a jacket over the uh, impression cylinder 
that releases the ink. It's ink repellent, so we can perfect, obviously. And then if you replace those jackets, which you have to do pretty much every year because they wear out, they have to be exactly the same caliper as the one that's coming off, or you will see dot gain. Uh, significant sometimes, even if it's only 1,000 thicker than the one replacing it. So it's still a variable, you know, although it's not part of the calibration. You you have to pay attention to it. Right. Absolutely. Now, in your opinion, if you could rank the top five things that you look at as far as color and controlling the press to a press operator that has never uh you know, functioned in a G7, you know, master facility like you guys are or running to maybe they're just looking at density and that's all they know. Well, I would say uh, the best thing about G7 being substrate relative is that you have a defined starting point. So you should pretty much know what to expect if your pre-pressed department in terms of proofing and so forth is also calibrated. Um, one of the things that in a production environment like I'm in where it's sometimes it's just a lot of hang it and bang it type of work, but because we have G7, uh, we, we feel confident in knowing that we're always hitting it as long as we're maintaining our processes and our equipment. And you, the press operator used to have to guess what looks good, but now you don't have to. So I would stress the importance of G7 in that regard. And because G7 is a specification and it needs to be maintained and adhered to, uh, pay attention to your, your conditions, you know, the, the, uh, operating conditions. Is your ink still as good as it was a month ago? Right. Did anything change there? Did your chemistry change is there anything outside of your control that changed um all of these things ultimately come back to where you started with when you did your calibration which is hopefully a good you know basis you hopefully you started off on the right foot and everything was good to go right i guess another thing i would always i stress this maybe more than anything when when i talk to people train people is that operating state of the machine is the most important thing before you do anything. Uh, knowing that you're going to put a job on and not rely on a spe specification to do the work for you. Always know what the condition is of your press. Uh, that's just experience. That's training that, that you'll gain over time, but it can't be stressed enough. Uh, how important it is to know, uh, what you're looking for, you know, you don't want to shoot and then paint the target, right? Exactly. No, it's a, you, you have your, your target, you know what that target is. Everything is very well defined, easy to understand, but you know what the bullseye is, right? And, Absolutely. uh, yeah. the, uh, you, 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 you touched on a few things, uh, chemistry, uh, a mechanical setup, etc. For normal operation, you come in, in the morning, maybe the press has been down, you know, I don't know if you guys are 20, 
four seven operation, but let's just say you have two shifts. You come in in the morning, start the press up. What are your checks to make sure that your press condition is consistent from day to day, so you can uh, manage uh, hitting those specifications and hitting those bullseyes? Are you checking your pH first? Your your uh, I mean, uh, packing um, roller stripes. Yeah, that's. Uh... All of those things and more. <laughs> One of the things I like to do every week, if I have time, as soon as we ink up, I stripe all the units, and it doesn't take very long. Uh, we can tell by looking at our stripes um, if, obviously, if they're all hitting the plate right, and whether or not we have internal problems. Uh, oscillators and distributors aren't connecting to the forms properly. You can see all that just by checking a stripe. So it's it's cheap insurance to just check that once a week. And how long and, did you say it would take to do all eight units or just four units? Uh, a couple minutes per unit. It, I mean, if even right. if you need to make a slight adjustment, I wouldn't say more than four or five minutes per unit. Gotcha. And when let's uh, so we've got the you know you're striping, and then uh, what what would be the next check before you started up in the morning? Definitely the chemistry because uh, everybody's running alcohol free for a long time now, and there's a lot of chemicals to choose from. How well that works, your chemistry works, has a lot to do with your ink. First thing I always do is check the conductivity. What we what we try to do is a weekly maintenance program, and it involves uh, getting rid of the old ink, dumping out the old fountain solution. Uh, having a fresh starting point every week, whenever we have time, which is most of the time, it, it needs to be done. I mean, everybody should do that. Uh, check that conductivity and get rid of it, even if it's been a week and, it, and you think, well, the conductivity is not that high. It will get high as soon as you start running for a couple yeah. of days. And that's going to force you to use more fountain solution, more water. And that's going to disrupt your dots and things are going to start to look bad, look different. And yeah, it's just problems waiting to happen. The preventative maintenance is just cheap, quick insurance. And have you, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen an impact uh, when you're, you know, performing your weekly maintenance routines and all the things we've talked about already? Have you seen a, uh, a tangible impact as far as, um, waste, uh, efficiency, a job turnaround time, less uh, make-ready sheets, le re reduction of waste and labor across the board is where, what I'm getting at. You know, when we talk about G7, we talk about all of these uh, process control uh, standards and procedures. What's the ROI on it? Where do you save? What benefit? How does it benefit you and Taylor Corporation financially? Well, it's most of the guys I work with, uh, they're all journeyman operators and they'll tell you same thing. Uh, you can't not do your maintenance. It, it will, it will be anybody that's any, any operator that's paying attention knows when they're having a problem and they can troubleshoot real quick what it might be. I mean, because you basically have the same variables, like we said, chemical and mechanical and the maintenance is uh, absolutely necessary. You will see much less make ready. I mean, these newer presses, they, they can, as long as they're maintained, 
you can have color in less than a hundred sheets, give or take. And that's a significant difference than even five, 10 years ago. The waste on a well-maintained press is significantly reduced. It's, it's not even a, a question. I have a good example. Uh, I, I've had a couple occasions where I've had a job that, uh, we might have, uh, like, a uh, meat, uh, beef, beef jerky, something like that, where I have a proof and I'm looking at the proof and I'm up to my standards for that substrate and it looks green. Well, I can look and see that I'm hitting the numbers. I, I know that everything else is set up correctly. But I know because my magenta unit is probably didn't get maintenance that week, didn't get a deep clean on the rollers. There's calcium in there and all the other byproducts. And the dots are sharpening up and they look smaller, so I'm losing uh, color. Yeah. And uh, you can't you can't let that fool an operator, can't let that fool them into thinking, well, I just need to increase the density. No, it's it's a maintenance problem. And it's, that's why it's so important to do it every week because it will affect colors significantly. Ron, what are some of your standard operating procedures for dealing with brand colors, Pantone colors, spot colors? Um, and, uh, explain some of the tolerances and specifications that the brand gives to you that you need to adhere to. Standard operating procedure would be, uh, if the customer wants to do a press check, they can do that. That's not a problem because they may, uh, there's, there is, uh, substantial variation in Pantone colors, uh, just from one batch to another. It could be different two months from now. And if they like it a little darker, a little lighter, anything that's different, uh, will accommodate for sure on the press, but then, all the job data from that press run, we try to make sure that we're storing it in the database that's available on the press. So we can just recall that. It's all there, and it shouldn't be a problem from run to run. Are you make formulating your own Pantone inks in-house? Uh, uh, it really depends. We do have ink mixing uh, machines that we can uh, we can make any color, but... Uh, it's a time thing, you know, budget is paramount. So if it's 50 pounds, you just order it. If it's 10 pounds, you can mix it. We do a lot of work for corporate clients, uh, big brands and so forth that one of the great tools that's part of this, uh, Heidelberg set up today is our, our spectral photometer is, uh, linked to the press. So. We can do uh, take a drawdown or a printed sample and read that and just punch it in. That's that's your target, just like that. Ron, you mentioned that you had multiple presses, and how has G7 helped you align uh, your presses and your fleet to match closer to one another, especially when you have to move a job from one press to another? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's you're splitting hairs uh, when you move the job, like you said, from one press to another, or even split it up between two or three presses. If we're, yeah, yeah, if we're, if we're all calibrated and we're all on the same substrate, uh, yeah, 
that guy can bring a sheet over to me and lay it down on mine and and we're right there it's it's that good and uh the one of the things that uh i mean we're all like i said journeyman operators and we're all uh cognizant of what we're doing and why we're doing it but there seems to be always that guy that uh thinks that things need to look another way or what have you and i understand color being subjective and everybody's got a little different brain in their head but uh there's some people that think G7 is a suggestion <laughs> more than it is you know a target or a specification so you get sometimes people tweaking the G7 after it's done and that's not good Hey, Ron, we're just about out of time, and I want to thank you for sharing your deep knowledge on process control, maintenance, and the benefits of G7 in the press room to reduce waste and increase productivity. Awesome advice, Ron. I appreciate it, and take care. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealliance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealliance.org. Take care and have a productive day.